Welcome to Conversation Pace. I'm your host, Brian Rossetti. In episode 33, I spoke with Jess Hoffheimer, the founder of Pace of Me, an online coaching business, including her custom running artwork. Jess's business is unique in how she combines her two passions to help her runners. As we discuss in this episode, it's a beautiful blend of coaching as both an art and a science in the way she inspires and motivates runners through her graphic designs and portraits while using VDOT training methods. Make sure to connect with Jess at Pace of Me on Instagram, follow our coaching story and running artwork. This episode is a little unique. We of course talk a lot about running and coaching, but Jess and I are both parents and entrepreneurs, so the conversation does lean a little bit more on those experiences. We discuss moving and transitioning to life in Cary, North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh, and juggling work, family, and virtual school during the pandemic. Starting and growing pace of her online coaching business, and blending her passions, graphic design, and coaching. Finally, her coaching philosophy and how she serves her athletes with a holistic approach, including coaching on VDOT and Pilates instruction. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so where are you located now? You're in North Carolina, correct? I am. Um, we live in a town called Cary, North Carolina, which is it's about a 12 minute drive for me to downtown Raleigh, the capital of our state. Okay. Um, so I've been here for almost five years. We moved here from the D.C. area, Northern Virginia, for my husband's job in 2016. And tw- okay, so fairly recently. Um, yeah. And you're from? Did I? I know you went to school at UVA, correct? Or I did from, from that area. Originally, I was born there, and um, when I was uh, just after my freshman year of high school, we actually moved to Nashville, Tennessee, for my dad's job. Oh, and wow. um, so I went to high school in Tennessee, but I wound up at UVA. And um, eventually, after college, I moved to D.C. And that's where I met my husband and where we um, started our family, got married and started our family. And so I've I've lived probably the most years of my life in the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. And how's the transition to the the Raleigh. Well, what do you guys now? Is it Raleigh Durham? But how does yeah, Chapel I mean, get in there? What's the triangle? Yeah, how does it's it work? kind of interesting. So yeah, I think the triangle would be Raleigh Durham Chapel Hill. Um, okay. Technically, I think that's where that comes from. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a pro on that. So I hope I'm not wrong. But I think that's why they call it that. Um, and Cary is like more of a suburb of Raleigh, I would say. Um, and it's been, it's, you know, I was, my sister is actually moving here next weekend with her family. (laughs) Um, and so I was just telling her, I feel like it took us about two years before I feel like all of us were like, oh yeah, this is home, you know? Um, cause it is a, it is a transition, um, especially we have three kids. So it's, it it was, it was hard. I mean, my husband moved here nine months before the kids and I did because he got his job in, it was right around Thanksgiving time. And we mm. had, had school aged kids and we didn't want to transition them 
it, you know, during the school year. So we mm-hmm. waited and that was just a rocky time because um, he was coming back and forth and he had an apartment here and everything. And we'd never even, I'd never even been here except I think for a soccer tournament when I was like a <laughs> cooler. <laughs> so anyway, we didn't really know anything, but I actually had reached out to some women that I met at the Boston Marathon in 2013, which was my first Boston, and actually the year of the bombing, if you remember that. And so I I feel like life just, people come into your life when and how they're meant to. And having never really known anything about this area, the weekend of my first Boston, I met these women who ran... um, I don't think it was called the Wazelle Volley, but it was for Wazelle at the time. Mm, and okay. um, they, they were just like these really nice girls. And we we were introduced. And then a couple of years later, when I found out I was moving here, I was at the New York City Marathon Expo and ran into a friend there. Um, and he was he I knew he would be familiar with this area because at the time he was a Sockney rep for like Virginia and North Carolina was his territory. And he said, oh, Jess, you've got to reach out. Remember Allie and Ellen, you have to reach out to them. That's where they live. And I did. And so anyway, long story short, I wound up connecting with those girls in the Wazelle group here as sort of a way for myself to make some friends and find some like-minded people in the area. And that really did help a lot. I mean, it really helped me transition into you know, my kids were old enough at the time that, I, I mean, when my kids are really little in preschool, you do make, make a lot of mom friends because you have like play dates and you're going, you're volunteering at the preschool and you just, I feel like it's easier to, you meet at playgrounds, things like that. But when your kids are older, it's just harder. You don't like make yeah. friends with the kids' parents as easily. And I was like, ah, <laughs> plus just, you know, wanting to make sure they felt okay. So I felt really lucky that I had those connections through running because it helped me so much and sort of establishing my own, how do I fit in here? Like as me, you know? Yeah, that's good insight. I've, I've got a, a kindergartner and a third oh. so I'm, I'm behind you, but that's good to, that's good to hear. That's <laughs> some, some good insight into what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, too, when you work for yourself, it's yeah. not like I'm going to the office and have colleagues to kind of tell me like what I should be right. doing in the area. And so I felt like I really needed that even a little bit more because of that. So, yeah, it's but I, I mean, I love it here. We we definitely mm-hmm. were led to the right place for for our family, for sure. Yeah. And it's hard to I mean, it's for those reasons that you, you mentioned, like working um, for yourself and having kids, it's hard. So it's hard to make friends, friends and maintain those relationships for yourself. Right. And then mm-hmm. you layer in the pandemic and it's just a whole nother. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. Totally brutal. Yeah. Um, so Carrie, it's funny. Cause when you, when I see you on Instagram, it looks very rural, but you're saying you're only, 10, 15 minutes outside of Raleigh, yeah. does it yeah. feel rural or is that just where you're driving to run, uh, which, is, which is within so, reach? Pretty, yeah. pretty close. I, 
the two places I post a lot for running, they're just like these amazing places to run and they're not far from where I live. One is called Umstead. It's a big uh, park and, you know, there's a lot of single track trails, but there's also an amazing bridal pass. And there's actually a hundred mile race that is run in there. It's coming up next month. And one of my sisters is running it um, and I'll be pacing her and crewing her, which will be an amazing experience. But anyway, you can get a lot of miles in there and it's just, it's awesome. It's a dirt road, essentially rock. There's some rocks and gravel, um, but the hills, I mean, it's just a great place to train. You know, you, you can get all the benefits of the hills without jarring on your joints. And it's just absolutely breathtaking. It's so beautiful. And then there's this other trail called the American Tobacco Trail. That probably yeah. really I cool. love those chats. Yeah. Yeah. Have you run on them before? No, it's funny. I I spent a few years in the mountains in Blowing Rock, which is probably oh, about sure. three, oh, three yeah. hours from here. You were at Zap, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we, yeah. Love we that. would we would come sometimes come down to like Salem Lake, um, okay. and again, which is still further west from yeah. you, right? But we we didn't come down to Raleigh too much, other than to to race like outdoor okay. track occasionally. But um, but that was pretty much it. I mean, for the most part, we stayed in the mountains. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I've been to Zap. I went actually and taught Pilates at one of their running camps. No way. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So I love it there. Did you know Pete, um, or you met Pete and Zeke? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yes, absolutely. And here, I mean, some of the people that were there. So, um, like Tristan Van Ord is running for Zap now, but she was running for the Raleigh Distance Project. Yeah. Which I'm on the board of here in Raleigh and. So they do a lot of their running in Umstead and on the Tobacco Trail too. The Tobacco Trail is uh, old rails to trails, and it is—I think it's a little over 22 miles long, and it goes like all the way out to Durham, but then into Apex. So point to point, it's that long, so you can get a lot of awesome miles on there. But Shalane Flanagan trained on that trail a ton. That's and. You'll see last weekend I was there for my long run and I mean, Duke runners were out there. NC state runners were out there. UNC runners were out there. It's just a, it's just beautiful. There's a good stretch of, I think about seven miles that's completely unpaved. So it's, you know, packed sand and pine needles and just, it's just gorgeous. And I, I love, I, I mean, I'll run on roads, but I would, I'm kind of like a, you know, a, a little bit timid as far as like single track trail running goes. Um, but yeah. give me a dirt, a dirt road or a trail that's not like super technical that I can feel like I can run fast on. And that's my, that's my sweet spot. <laughs> no, that's so great. I, that's great. Older, I don't, and we're in the pandemic. I don't have to just wake up and run out my front door and be back in time to drive people in carpool to get them to school on time to live a little bit. That's been one of my silver linings with the pandemic is that I can drive, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes away to mm. go to my trail. I have nice places to run right out my door, but I mean, I have to run a mix of roads and green, they call them greenways here, like paved um trails similar to that part of the tobacco and i do love that and there's pretty lakes to run around and stuff but i'm pretty 
I, I mean, I just am in love with uh, trails that just feel like they go on forever and you can feel like you're lost, but you're 10 minutes outside the city. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's cool. I like that balance. If you can find that, that's yeah. pretty great. I'm typically based out of New York City, which you don't have that balance as quickly <laughs> when, you're, when right. you try to get out of the city. But, um, you know, Central Park is only so big. And, um, and I, I just interviewed a good friend of ours who's now the head coach at UNC, um, oh. Chris Miltenberg, and he re- relocated his family. Podcast on um, Mario's podcast. Yeah, yeah that's right. I, mean, really, um, I was like pausing that and rewinding. I, I can't wait to hear your conversation with him. He's got yeah. some great wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's such a great coach um, in terms of how he manages and motivates young athletes. But it, it was interesting because he came from – uh, Stanford, and I always thought of Palo Alto like just what an incredible um, oh, place so to, to be. It's yeah. so beautiful, but he really it seems to be much happier in terms of a family. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know he he loved coaching at Stanford. There were some pressures, but in terms like holistically, when when factoring in his family and and their mm-hmm. livelihood, it seems like he's much much happier being in Chapel Hill and being in that area. And it's, I'm not so surprised the more you talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, that's like I said, my sister is moving here in a week with her husband. It's exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. I can hardly stand it, but um, she's not even a year younger than I am. We're Irish twins. (laughs) And I just like to have her living. We're like, Oh my gosh, we're going to live in the same you know, we haven't since we were kids. So it's so exciting. But, um, you know, it's really, I love that we're so close to the city because there's just so it's so accessible. And it's not like when we were in Washington, you know, we, we just kept having to move further and further out as our family grew. Um, You know, eventually, we were like 30 minutes from the city, but we met we were living in the city, you know, and um, then like, when you wanted to go into Washington, it was like, Oh, the traffic and you're going to pay 20 bucks just to park your car. And then, you know, like here, it's like, you're just there in 10 or 15 minutes. It's free parking. (laughs) You can go to really cool museums. Awesome. I mean, right now, you know, the pandemic, it's very different, but, um, you know, it's just like, there's a lot of stuff that's really accessible. Um, and I love like Durham Chapel Hill. I've got a niece that's at, at college there and, um, you know, it's, there's just like a lot of charming character and there's so many people here that aren't from here. And I love that because I, there were just so many people that knew what I was going through when I relocated here because <laughs> we have all the universities, but then there's also like the research triangle park. Yeah. And so a lot of people come here for work and, um, it's just really diverse and laid back and has some Southern charm, but it's still like pretty progressive too, which I just personally appreciate. So um, nice. that's awesome. Yeah. We're, se- we're, we're selling this area pretty, pretty well. Right yeah. now. I think you're going you're gonna to see more coaches and runners moving away after this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to ask a, a little, well, first the, Milt said something on the show that um, 
kids, uh, maybe it was public school. Are your kids still not in school? Are they hybrid or how is yeah. that? How is that? Um, how are you guys handling it? Well, we're just having everybody stay home. Um, they are county. So he's in a different county than we are. Um, but we're in Wake County in Raleigh and they gave you choice, the choice. Um, if you wanted to do a hundred percent virtual or you could do like a hybrid where those kids are going to school, they're like divided in groups. They could go for one week and then they have to stay home for two weeks. And then they go for one week and they stay home for two weeks. And, um, you know, I think it's, you have to do what's best for you and your family. Um, for us, I felt like my kids needed some structure and like routine and what was happening was like they were supposed to go back in that hybrid system at the start of the the start of the school year and then again after the holidays but then it got delayed and it was like nope now we're not going back or then they let them go back and then they had to change it and a lot of the back and forth because of the uncertainty with how the numbers were going um it just felt like, you know, we, we can, we're just going to be here. My husband and I, our jobs allow that flexibility where we don't, we don't need them to leave the house. And so we're just, we're just hunkering down. One of our kids has a lot of autoimmune um, health issues. And so I'm pretty much like, let's just do whatever we can to be yeah. as, as possible. Um not even so much because I worry about like what, uh, you know, if they got the virus that like, it seems like kids can handle it pretty well is more the unknown about like the long haul or stuff sure. and just my own personal like fears around, uh, my, my middle child, my son, Will, who's 14, like, what would that mean for him later? You know, like, let's just do what we can. Do. So we're yeah. doing well too. I mean, they're getting good grades. They, have you know good attitudes so we're we're sticking we're sticking with that for now hoping that yeah. we actually we actually made the same decision but that was partly partly because we wanted to stay out of the city during this time just so we'd have more space and um would be a little bit more enjoyable for the kids to to have more room more space and more consistency um, but we also have help. That, that was a part of the factor too. Like my dad's retired. We, I take them down to, for quote unquote school with him every day. So how are you, how are you able to balance, you know, getting your work done and, and running and coaching and um, <laughs> in school? Is it just a one take one day at a time and survive or how <laughs> What, what tricks have you come up with? Yeah, well, I guess one is, I mean, we've made some changes even like as as we've gotten a handle on everything. So for example, I had been working out in, in North Carolina, at least I think this is pretty much common in North Carolina. You don't have basements. You have this room above your garage they call the bonus room. Um, and so that was something different in Washington. Like everyone had a basement, but here everyone has their bonus. You call, Oh, what you have your bonus. Like it's your bonus room. Um, and so it's like a, if, if we had younger kids, it would probably be like our playroom or something like that. But it's like the room above the garage and we have a ping pong table in there and, you know, like a, 
a TV. It's a big, it's a big like open room, but that's where my, I was working during the pandemic <laughs> and it was a little bit uh, hard for me because my daughter who is a sophomore in high school um, and she's pretty independent, but um, you know, she's taking, I think three different AP courses. Mm. She's the vice president of student council. She's on the cheerleading squad. She's super active and she did not want to do schoolwork in her bedroom. She's like, I want a change of scenery, which we completely understood. And we set up a desk for her in the bonus room. And then that just, the lighting wasn't good for the video calls. (laughs) It's true. She did not like the way the lighting where we put the desk worked. And so she moved over to my, I have like a big table that I do my art on and have my computer on for coaching so we were sharing this table and it just got to be too hard. I felt like I couldn't concentrate, you know, like mm-hmm. she would, she'd have, it wasn't when she was doing her schoolwork. It was when she was sitting there FaceTiming her friends and things like that. So anyway, long story short, over the holiday break, we did some reorganizing in our house and we had a guest room um, up on our house has three floors because there's no basement. And so we let Abby take that as her bedroom because we don't really have guests anymore because <laughs> of the pandemic. <laughs> and so, um, like, played musical rooms. So she moved up to that. And then we turned my son Will's room into my office. So I have a door. <laughs> I can actually close the door. Um, but it's on the same level as my my son, my youngest, just turned 10. So his room is right next to this. So I'm still, like, right here. He, I mean, I told him we were going to be on this call, so I shouldn't have any interruptions today, but usually like, you know, I don't even close the door to usually he'll just, he can come right in. And, um, you know, my other son's across the hall and my husband's upstairs working and Abby's got the whole bonus room to herself. It's her. Now she has like that room. She does. We don't have to like get in each other's way. Um, so from that standpoint, like I'm able to do my work. I, I run early in the morning, usually, um, around seven fifteen. I leave the house and, um, you know, I come back and usually everybody's already like I've, my youngest is the early riser with me. So I've usually already gotten him breakfast. The other two, they're older, you know, they're 14 yeah. and 15. So they just kind of do that on their own. And, um, I mean, it would be a very different story if my kids were super little, but my youngest Gus is kind of the only one that's like, can you make me lunch? Will you do that for me? And, um, you know, and I'm totally happy to. And uh, so I usually come back and I'll work and then we'll do lunch. And he's done with school around three um, so, and he has a couple buddies in the neighborhood that are also doing virtual school. And so we let them, like the moms were all the same and our attitudes about it. So they will play outside. No one goes in each other's houses, but, um, they wear yeah. masks and they play outside in the woods. Like we have these little, like the little greenways in between our houses and, um, they'll play outside. So I feel like if we were going to school, we'd have to, or, or any of them were, we'd have to like miss out on some of that. So at least this way, like they're getting that social. That. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So, so I try to, I do my running early and, um, usually like 
you know, then I'm just working here in my office and so, my kids are here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So as, as a self-employed person like yourself, like, do you feel like be, the this makes the work kind of scattered even more so? And I always feel like I've, I've, I'm kind of breaking work up into chunks, right? And then it's the trade-off is like, there's the flexibility, right? But then the trade-off is just, mm-hmm. oh, I've got to do something on the weekend. I'm always- <laughs> oh, yeah, always. I got myself this book. It's called, I'm looking at it right now, it's called Goal Crazy. <laughs> like nice. goal instead of go. And I really like it because it breaks things down for me so I can kind of like organize, organize things and plan out my days and my weeks like these are the different areas of my life that I need to get stuff done this week and like I'll look at the weekly view what I need to accomplish and then I can like trickle it down into each day and then each day like that's how I part of how I start my day is all like what am I going to accomplish today um you know how much and usually I try to do it based on time so it's like how much time am I going to devote to my coaching? How much time am I devoting to uh, my, my artwork? What do I, you know, what do I need to take care of? And so, you know, and it's not like it has to be perfect, um, but just allows, allows me to see that. And then anything that I don't get done, I just carry it over into the next day. And do you you feel like as the, as your business has grown, do you feel like that's impacted your running at all like that continues to to take a back seat or or no they yeah. just feel like my running in itself like it i i how would i say it like i almost feel if i didn't do it in the morning i think that answer would be a sure yes <laughs> but because i make sure i do it early in the day like it sets me up for the rest of the day um you know, so I guess I feel like at this point, it's such a, um, almost like a habit, like it's ingrained in me. It's how I move through my life. And the pandemic has allowed for, you know, the, I'm, I'm going to do my first race since November of 2019 on March 20th. So I have not raced, you know, like many people I have not raced, but I haven't also, I haven't been like doing virtual things either like i'm not as motivated by that like you're not what what about your athletes do you feel like the virtual has has been helpful or is it just you depends on the person yeah i mean some people are more like i am where they're like you know i'm just training so i can keep training this is how i do life and i just want to like keep that i want to sort of protect that and keep that in my life um because i need my running right now to be that for me and other people aren't motivated unless they have that carrot dangling in front of them where they you know feel like they're doing this for like a measurable date that they can kind of be like okay i'm working on this for now and then i'm gonna move to the next thing i've had people do virtual everything up to the marathon virtual um, I've had a couple people do races, like even over yeah. the summer, people were doing races, especially like trail races. Those seem to be happening a little more. Um, yeah, a little safer for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, right now, I've got some people doing 
races. Like I had one person did a half marathon two weekends ago, um, like a, you know, legitimate cross to finish line race. And, you know, most of my athletes, I encouraged let's like pick things in the fall because I don't know if things will happen in the spring. Um, and so, you know, they're yeah. either being virtual or like personal goals. Like one woman I coach who's local, she wants to run. They call it the gate to gate in that park, Umstead, which is about 10 miles of a lot of hills. And she wants to do that, you know, on Strava, that kind of thing, like that segment. Um, but it's a, it's a mix. I mean, it really depends. On- yeah, that's what I'm seeing, like a pretty good mix. But it, but I asked about about the running for me, it's always a challenge. It's like, that's gotta be that, that has to fall back in line, right. Between the family and the, and work. And as work grows, it's like, us oh, is a bummer because I really want to run and it makes me feel good. And, but it, it seems like, like, I love your artwork. Run love is, is self-love. Uh, and yeah. You, you talk a lot about like how it's important to, you know, take care of yourself. And do you feel like that's, sort of sustained you during this time and yeah. and helps with your business like you have to figure out how to make time for that like it's not going to hurt your business it actually helps you know your it your helps mission, you know what i mean yeah for sure i mean there's you know it's like a great thing and it also can be hard because my work is so intimately connected with my passion for running um on every level i mean my 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 running is what I, is my career, (laughs) you know? Um, and so sometimes when I'm running, if I've got something on my mind, um, you know, that is related to work, it's like, this should be my sanctuary, but like, I'm always in it, I guess I should say. Um, but at the same time, like it has the reason it became my work is because it changed my life. And so, Um, you know, I feel really thankful that at this point I have, like, I'd already discovered like running is a practice. It's a way of life. It's a, it, you know, if you imagine like your self-care, your tools for self-care, like running is one of them in that toolbox. And, um, for me, I know that I feel my best, like the strongest and the most connected to who I am when I move my body regularly. And I just happen to really love to run, (laughs) you know, and it gets me outside and I do that. So it sort of combines a lot of like uh, aspects of taking care of myself all in one, like the movement and the the solitude, the connection to nature and um, breath. I have one really close friend who I share a lot of my miles with. And, you know, when you're running with someone that you trust that much and who trusts you that much, you, it's very therapeutic. You don't have to look at each other and you just talk or you don't talk. And yeah. it's a great, it's a great um, gift. And I have been doing this now for 20 years. I've been in and out of it through different stages of my life. And uh, or different stages of my journey as a runner. Um, and I know what it feels like when life is hard and I neglect that in me. And I just, 
I guess I don't, I don't want to know what that would be like at this point. And I've had injuries too. So I, you know, if I can just be really smart about how I run and take the rest days and listen to my body, um, you know, I can, I hope to be doing this for my whole life, you know? That's great. Yeah. The, the conversation that really hits the being able to converse, like you say, it's a gift. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Like being able to just run 10 miles, um, not mm-hmm. effortlessly, but, th- and still be able to enjoy a conversation throughout and just makes the run go by yeah. so quickly and it's makes it so much more enjoyable. We actually, the, the podcast idea conversation pace, the original, <laughs> the original intent was like to record conversations while you were on a run and i and love that it's great like oh there's we, you know the conversations during runs are are always great and this would be interesting but it's just a sound issue <laughs> so we couldn't yeah, yeah. we're like let's, let's <laughs> keep reading. the name let's keep the name we really like the name but let's yeah. just record it like normal yeah, um but, but yeah, yeah you're so right yeah, and you get things out that you didn't even know were inside of you you're like oh you're processing Yes. Then this this year there has been so much to process, and so you know to have someone that you that you if you're by yourself you can you can let the the your you find that flow state and your mind can kind of work through things and let go of things and find clarity. And if you're with someone who you know you feel very at ease being your true self with. I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing because you can kind of work through it's safe to bounce ideas off or ask questions and, you know, consider things, be curious about them, um, you know, whether it's things that are going on in the world or about your own your running even or your own issues that you're having with, I mean, any number of things in life. So it's, it's such a, it is, it's such a gift to have someone like that. Yeah. Um, to share the mile with when when did pace of me so pace of me running coach plus creative was it was it always the two for one like the you have it wasn't so the the we run on art came later or that was always there and then okay gotcha yeah it came later i mean so i let's see that i've always loved to draw and be creative and you know just that's been a part of my, my life for, uh, since I was a little girl. Um, when I stopped working my full-time job, I was in corporate sales for Tiffany and company, the jeweler, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did like business to business sales. Actually, they they're in New York. So I traveled up there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, when my son was born, like I said, he has a, a bunch of autoimmune issues and he, spent a week in the NICU. And then I mean, when he was an infant, there were just, it was just really hard. He was, was sick all the time. And so I wound up quitting my job when he was about four months old and was became a stay at home mom. And uh, my kids, my two oldest are 16 and a half months apart. So I stopped running during that time. I wasn't running. I was pretty blue, like just kind of, I'm sure in hindsight, it was postpartum depression and anxiety with my child that was like, we couldn't figure out a lot that was going on with him. And um, anyway, I wound up eventually starting finding running again. And um, I actually met a woman 
who you might be familiar with on Instagram, her Instagram handle is Mild Post. Yeah. Um, her name is Dorothy Beal, and she was pushing her double jogger by the lake. Um, and I had my double jogger <laughs> feeding <laughs> the ducks um, popcorn because my son was allergic to bread. And we just had this conversation about our running strollers and turned as she was writing a blog. And I didn't, didn't even know what that was. And so um, long story short, I was like, well, that's kind of fun. Like maybe I'll start writing. And she became a very close friend of mine. And that's when I started Pace of Me. And I was just sharing my running journey you know, on a blog and there was Instagram wasn't a thing. Um, and, uh, I also was kind of like dabbling into my, um, creative self again. And I started a business called sugar cone company, making growth charts for kids that were like gigantic ice cream cones. And I kind of was like doing those two things. Well, eventually my running became more and more part of my life. And I had a, another pregnancy, had my third child and I was running sugar cone and I got my coaching certification through the RCA mm-hmm. really, during that time. Honestly, I, I just, I was at this place where I was like, I know I'm doing so much wrong. And I've been, I think at that time I'd run eight marathons or something. Um, in just as many years, it wasn't like I was doing it a ton, but I was, I think my half marathon, I knew I could break two hours in the half marathon. My marathon PR was like 435. And I just thought I'm doing something wrong. Like I'd never done speed work before. I did not have any idea how to fuel properly. There were so many things. And so I got my coaching certification truthfully, just to educate myself. I didn't think I'm going to become a running coach and have a business mm. runners. Um, and I, but then. But, the, um, but you, had, you had dipped into the entrepreneurial world like before that. Yeah. Cause I was doing sugar cone. Yeah. So I was selling these growth charts going to, um, you know, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like fairs and things like that, you know, in like art shows, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, like, charts were then like in a baby and child shop in Washington and the Northern Virginia area. Um, so I'd worked with retailers, that kind of thing. Um, it was the LLC, but it was little, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and then with coaching, I, my sister was at like a running group and someone was kind of lamenting that they just weren't, they weren't getting what they needed from the group coaching. And my sister was like, well, you need a running coach. My sister's a coach. And I was like, Jody, <laughs> I don't coach someone yet. And <laughs> guy, and it was so awesome. Like I just, I was his coach. I coached him for the Marine Corps marathon. I got to go to his marathon. I just enjoyed so much being on this journey with him. And he gave me a whistle on his marathon day. He was like, <laughs> where he got to the um start line like we had my sister and I and like a group of friends we had taken all the runners to the start and he was like Jess I have a present for you and it was a whistle and he engraved coach Jess on it and it just like touched my heart so much and after that I just found that this was a calling for me I loved being on the journey with someone and helping them see um what you know, what they could do. And 
I also like wound up applying what I learned from my coaching certification. And in that one training cycle, I went from 435 to 346. And I was like, oh, I mean, this is, this is like amazing. You know, if I do things differently and I do things right, like this has been inside of me all along. And it just became really fueled by curiosity. And I coached myself for several years as I was taking on more athletes, just with my, you know, applying what I learned, um, you know, through, through my coaching and then just being like more and more thirsty for knowledge. So I wound up stopping sugar cone because I couldn't do, it was too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then it wasn't until 2019. Um, so almost exactly two years ago, it was March of 2019 that I, I was really missing that creative piece of my work. And I had this idea, like, well, what if I bring, kind of bring my art and running together? I want to make some art for runners. And so I just did some portraits for a few friends. And then my friends were like, this is so great. And you have to do this. And so I started, we run on art. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And and until recently, I didn't know you were selling these prints. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, you know, a big fan on Instagram. You'd post something. I thought you would, that you were just mocking this stuff up and posting them on social. And I had no clue you had art prints. I've been sharing them with a group that I coach in New York and they love them. Um, and in particular, the, um, the buttons I wish I I had on my watch, which I love. Um, and especially thinking of like Garmin, not to to pick on them, but like when yeah. people get so upset over like, you know, sorry, this wasn't a productive training session. It's like, what? How dare you, you know, and, and then I think shortly after I saw someone bitching about that screen on, on the Garmin watch, I saw your post, um, or maybe I was going through, I forget how I came across, but I'll just, I'll say what the buttons are. So it's a, it's a, since we can't see it now as we're talking, but so the, there's the watch with no watch face in it. And then you're just diagramming the buttons right and one is um be grateful one another one's believe another one's don't compare which i love because so often especially through social people are maybe looking at what others are doing and thinking okay i have to do that right um honor your effort breathe i mean these are such great things to be reminded of too especially during the pandemic but i just loved that print um there's a couple of them that I'm going to get for some runners uh, that are part of our group as kind of like just gifts. So it's really awesome. I, I hope everyone checks out We Run on Art because um, it's really cool stuff. Thank you. Yeah, it's really fun. And it, you know, it comes from my own experience, whether it's myself or the athletes that I coach and things that I hear, you know, that I'm wanting to talk about. And so, you know, that's, it's been really fun to kind of weave together my two passions and come up with things that people will connect with. That actually came from, I did this project for myself um, in this, in September, I started a hundred day art project. And so I cut little pieces of paper, just, I think they're like three by five inches 
And every day for a hundred days, I made a piece of art that was related to running in some way. And I mean, a hundred days is a long time <laughs> to do that. But yeah. I guess, like I, I've done some research about like hundred day projects like that. And it was recommended to set a time limit. Like don't just give yourself like 15 minutes to do it. And let it be messy, let it be whatever, like, don't judge it. So it was a good practice. And like, just letting things be you put yourself out there, what you have that day. Some days I was like, bubbling over with ideas. And other days I was like, I guess I'll draw a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it made me it was a great project. And like, to stick with it for 100 days did feel almost like training. And it wasn't really about the result, right? Like I have a big stack of 100 pieces of little art. I don't know what I'm doing with them. It wasn't about that. Some of them did turn in though to like prints, like that watch is one of them. Um, I just scanned it in and then I taught myself how to, I'm still teaching myself how to use like Adobe and Photoshop to, to take my hand drawn art and turn it into something that can be a printed piece for people. Um, but it helped me grow because I don't think that I would have even had that idea to do that if I hadn't taken on this idea of a hundred, a hundred days, you know? Um, and it's but do you running. Hear, yeah. I was going to say just real quickly that, um, is it like writer's block or you hear musicians where they might uh-huh. get into a rut? Like sometimes it just flows, right? They, they yeah. don't know where it comes from. Right. Um, totally. it's just like, I just wrote. 10 songs, you know, that just, yeah. oh, I know. is it the I same way? That, yeah, I think it is. And I think like when I think about the, you know, with running, it's similar. Sometimes, you know, you, you have your easy day and sometimes you just feel like you could, you're yeah. floating or, you know, you could just, you can't slow yourself down um, or you could just run all day. And then other days you're like, I don't know. I think I have nothing in me today or my legs are heavy and I need to go slower, <laughs> you know, and, so kind of trusting that process, but just showing up the idea of just keep showing up, just like Des said, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it's all going to string together into something, something uni- unique and beautiful. And it really, it just, it's just because my hundred day project ended, didn't mean I was done making things, you know, and so it's, right. I find that there are so many parallels between the creative process and the runner's journey. And they really are, there's just so much synergy there showing up as you are, trying not to judge yourself. The comparison thing is like full of demons, not just because you might compare yourself to someone else, but it's also comparing yourself to another day or a time when maybe things were moving a little more fluidly and clicking away, uh, you know, and if you have a rough day and you're like, Oh, I used to be like this, you know, or how else I can feel when I'm like 65, will it be healthy for me to look back and be like, Oh, I'm not running. Like I was when I was 40 and goodness knows when you're 40, you're like, Oh, I'm 40. (laughs) (laughs) I just try to remind myself to just be grateful for, the moment you're in, you know, in both respects, art and running. Yeah, that's great. Again, especially during this time. Um, I, I just love the science. It just stood out to me that the, cause you do post about the science and you are on VDOT. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I've always 
you know, some coaches in the past say, well, run, coaching is more of an art. It's not a science or it's more of a science. And to me, it's always been obviously both. And you yeah. need to have some kind of basic understanding of the, the physiology, right? You don't have to be an exercise scientist, but Jack was so good at, at making it palatable and yeah. translating it for people to say, you know, here's you know basically how the body responds to stress, right? Um, but then there's so much to coaching, you know, like you said, that when it comes down to it's more of an art, not a science. And your your business is so cool because it kind of blends in a way um, these these two pieces and they feed off of each other, right? Which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I find it helps like when I have conversations with my athletes, I feel like explaining things um, with analogies is really helpful to them. Like it, it's not in a way of like dumbing it down, because I really hate that term. But like, um, you know, making it a concept that's just easier for them to grasp. Like when someone's training hard, with their running, they people have a tendency to separate to separate out like other stress, right? Like, they don't think about the fact that like, their baby had an ear infection, and they were up all night, or, um, you know, they didn't drink enough water the whole day, the day before, or that they also did a Peloton workout, you know, that kind of thing, like, to just recognize that stress is stress, even though stress isn't necessarily like inherently bad, we need it. But to kind of give people a way to digest the information so it feels more applicable to them, as opposed to being, you know, way up high, like this high level science that they could never understand. Like, I want to empower people to learn how to make those decisions for themselves. Nothing makes me happier than when an athlete leaves a message in the training log or sends me a text and is like, you know, I self-adjusted this today because hmm. I knew, you know, I just, I feel like I'm actually teaching them how to serve themselves. Um, and I'm just, I'm here with them to help guide and advise that and help them work through things. All, all the coaching I'm doing is one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it's all, these are all private individual, mm -hmm. um, you know, coaching relationships and yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm that's how that's where it's at for me right now. I've done some group coaching before, um, you know, with running stores in the in DC. I worked at Potomac River Running and I did group coaching there. I loved it. And then um there was a runner like a running club there, the rest in runners. I did some like race specific coached programs there, like for 10K or half marathon. Um, but then, and then I did some really cool coaching with Sockney. Um, we did this thing called 26 strong. I don't know if you would remember that program, mm -hmm. but they chose 13 women who were coaches to coach 13 women who had never run a marathon before. Um, and I did that a couple of years, but it was still like, I had one athlete. We just did it as a team. Um, and now, you know, I have just under 40 athletes. I feel like I have a relationship with each one of them. Um, I have like a space for all of us to connect together, like privately on Facebook, where I can mm -hmm. do like, you know, post helpful articles, information, share, um, you know, celebrate people on the team for their accomplishments and, and things that are going on in their lives. 
Um, but their training is all very specific to them as an individual. Um, and I just, I, I feel like if I take on too much more than that, I don't know that I'd be the coach I want to be. And so I'm very thoughtful about, about that process because I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. And I don't really feel at least at this point that I want to like hire other coaches and be managing coaches. Like I have tons of respect for people that do that. I just don't think it's Mm -hmm. what I want to do, especially with like my three kids and then my art business. That kind of like overwhelms me. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I was going to ask, I was going to ask you that because um, I think the private coaching approach, right, is going to give you the best opportunity to get the best outcomes for your clients to have the best experience. The Again, the trade-off is how do you scale that, right? And so a lot of coaches then will hire, you know, they'll create this group. You've created such a, a beautiful brand and um, it's fun, it's, it's exciting, it's motivating, it's uplifting and but to you, you you like where you're at. Does does the art side sort of help sustain it, where you can keep it small and personable, um, but also maintain this full time um, business and keep it growing through the art? Is is that kind of yeah? I mean, my right? husband That's, and I were mm-hmm. just talking about this the other night. Actually, I'm like, you know, you know where I, my mind is at. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, the thing is, like, with my coaching is people sign up, they, they have like a membership, like it's like a subscription. So I know, okay, this is monthly income, like I know, I'm bringing in every month, right. And so from a budget standpoint, I kind of base things off of that with my artwork, like, that's gonna, and it'll be interesting when the pandemic is over and Reese's return, because a lot of the art that I make, like the custom art, that oftentimes is like someone just ran a PR or they have, you know, they did this awesome thing and they want a custom piece of art to celebrate. It's a gift usually, or even something for themselves where they're like, I want something really unique to commemorate this accomplishment and remind me of my experience, my joy, my love, like that kind of thing. Um, and so it's hard. I can't really predict that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, now, like I can predict or, or estimate like how how busy I'll be like at the holidays and maybe like Mother's Day, things like that, different when the races return, like around Boston, around the fall marathons, that kind of thing. Um, but I I don't have a way of like it's not like people are members of buying cards, prints and art, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I, it's a work in pro- in progress. Like things are kind of always evolving. I do have my cards at a local running shop here, uh, the Fleet Feet in Raleigh. So that was really exciting. Sarah Marie Design Studio sells some of my cards. So I have some like partnerships with retail. And that's something I think I would really enjoy to do more of. And even like with my 100 day project, I had one day... I didn't know what to draw and I'm sitting in my office and I had my mobile board, which I love. And so I drew my mobile board. Well, Jay DeSherry saw it on Instagram and he sent me a message. He was like, I love that. Is there any way I can get some cards with your drawing on them? And so I was like, 
Yeah, of course. It was the coolest thing because I have his books. Like I'm looking at them right now on my bookshelf. I appreciate his work so much, especially with my Pilates background. I just like absolutely admire him so much. And so I did an order for him for some cards for like to him to send some notes to his customers and, you know, people that he wanted to write to. Um, and so that's an area that I'm like, that would be really fun to get into that and do some um, more like uh, custom projects for people, businesses or, or people that want, um, you know, something unique of paper goods. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure where, where that's mm-hmm. going to go. Um, but I'm having fun with it. And ultimately, like, I feel like, you know, the sky's sort of the limit on that. Like, I have to, I have to kind of see where I'm led with it. I started making uh, watercolors of people's favorite running routes lately, just for fun. Like, I'm just kind of going with it. And we'll see. I have no idea. I mean, three years ago, if you had told me I'd be doing this, I would have been like, no way, that's so cool. I, I can't believe it. Like, but I also can because it just that is so me. And, you know, it's, it's like a vulnerable thing to, I don't have a formal art education, um, you know, and I, but I went through the same kind of uh, sort of journey with myself, even with running, because I wasn't a, you know, as never an elite athlete or, you know, even collegiate level. Like I, I played soccer in high school and college was not a shining moment in my athletic life. Um, and so running, like I found running because I was like not taking care of myself and I was really depressed and I was struggling with that and kind of fed up with my lifestyle. And so I thought, you know, that sounds like something I could do. I could run. And That's I bought great. a book and it, it literally changed my life. And so, um, you know, I guess I feel like it's similar people being like, Oh, you're a runner, but you might, you might be like, well, I mean, I run, I'm not a runner, you know? And as when it comes to making the art, if someone was like, Oh, you're an artist, it'd be like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that sounds really, I make art. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so like just learning how to own that, like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I am, this is what I do. This is who I am. And I'm just going to follow it and pursue it and allow myself to uh, discover what it, I'm capable of through this. You That's know? great. That's what's exciting about being an entrepreneur and, um, <laughs> Yeah, the the well, the runner portraits I love the watercolor. Um, Thank you. I've, I've got a great photo. I, I've been meaning to um, purchase one of the two runner, the five by seven. It's mm. it's it's me. Um, my daughter is like finished oh. the first race with uh, oh my a mile, and she's right in front of me, and you could just see like the look on her oh. face. She like really like went for it you know and she's like experiencing like oh man like this this was hard like this but in a a good way and I'm kind of smiling like um because the the whole race experience was fun and she really I think got hooked but I want to um so yeah I'm going to send that one in so look for it it. um so anyway I wanted to ask like just to close um you you talk a lot about taking 
a more holistic approach or, or focusing on the whole athlete. And mm-hmm. and you, obviously you program on VDOT. That's where you're mm-hmm. um, delivering their training. You have the Pilates background. What else does it look like? So if someone signs up with for private coaching, sure. what is that holistic approach, you know, in general look like to you? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I have like, a conversation with them before we even move forward. So I don't, people can't just sign up for my coaching. Um, Cause I want to make sure, you know, it's a good fit for both of us. Um, and so we have a pretty good chat just to get to know each other. And then I send them a questionnaire. Um, it's like four pages long and it, it does, it touches on different aspects. Um, you know, of course, like, to get down to the science, like I, and the logistics of their their history as a runner, their injury history, what their life is like, their stress levels, like all who they are, um, and then you know I have them send that back to me, get them set up on VDOT, um, and then I have this private Facebook group for my athletes that I talked about, and so through that I have posted in there some Pilates routines, like pre run routines, um, drills, uh, core and ab work routines that are all very Pilates focused, Mm. um, and, or like the influenced, I guess I should say. Um, and then every month I also give my athletes strength routines to do. So, um, again, like a lot of that is going to be from my experience through Pilates and working at lifetime fitness and um reading like running rewired and you know jay's work um so it's going to be a lot of like single leg things core stability that kind of stuff and i give them two workouts a month so they're supposed to do those two um every week and it's like a pdf with links with little videos to each exercise and the format i use is just um like almost like tabata style so just yeah. minute of each exercise. There's 10 exercises they do depending on the person, which I'll, I'll talk to them about this. If they've never done strength work before, I'm like, I want you to start with like one round. So they're really just doing 10 minutes of strength on that day. Um, but as they get stronger and their body adapts to it, they can go to as many as four rounds. Usually I wouldn't have someone do more than that. Um, but so they get that and I tell my athletes I want them to use the heck out of the VDOT app. So I check it every day, usually a couple times a day because I've got some people that are on the West Coast um, and I want them to leave notes. I'm like, if you want to tell me that you felt groggy because you're on your period or you had a fight with your husband last night or you, it's raining whatever I know. Right. But like (laughs) the idea being like, nothing is too much information for me. And I want to hear from you. I don't like it if someone is super quiet, because then I don't know what's going on. Are they even doing the workout? (laughs) You know, Um, I don't, I mean, I, the data, I'm a big sucker for it. I love to look at it, but it doesn't, it lives like in a little vacuum if I don't know anything else. Like we'll do a lot um, of your, athletes do they have what what does a typical athlete look like for you are they are they already marathon runners are they totally beginners like that get on no i mean i that's a really interesting question i wouldn't say i have a typical athlete i have 
uh, a couple people on my roster who are run walkers and, uh, one of them's done a marathon and the other one is going to do her first marathon in the fall. Um, that, but you know, they're, we're not looking to progress them beyond the run walk. That's where like what serves them best. Um, I've got athletes who are, their goal is to break three hours in the marathon. That's the fastest. I don't coach anyone that gets a sub-elite level or elite level. Um, I have an athlete who's doing a hundred miler next month and wow. another person who's doing her first 50 miler this summer. So, I mean, it really, and then wow. everything in between. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it really runs a pretty wide range. The youngest athlete I have is I think she's 24 and the oldest athlete I have is in her fifties. So, you know, I mean, it's a pretty wide range. I have moms and dads and people, you know, just with all different experience levels. Um, That's so really cool. I, I don't have a typical, a typical athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and it's when you're on the phone with them, it's not just programming by email. Is it tiered yeah. or is it, is it, do you have a pretty standard, like we talk weekly or monthly or how does it work? Yeah, I have unlimited communication with my athletes. So um, what I did this year was I did offer quarterly calls where we talk like, set, so we did goal setting in the beginning of the year. Not everybody took advantage of this and it wasn't something I charged extra for, but I just wanted to offer like a more structured, like if you want to set very specific process oriented goals for yourself, we can have a quarterly call. And um, so we did that and we kind of chipped away at some people wanted to set like a goal for number of miles they want to run this year. Like, little, like tell me what's on your heart. What do you want to do this year and why? Um, and, but, but typically like my athletes will text me, they'll, email me if it's something a little more like, oh, I have this vacation coming up and I need, you know, like stuff that's more like logistical um, things that aren't as urgent. I tell them to leave notes in the app after every run. Um, and to, if they need me right away, they can text me or call me. Um, they know that I have three kids. So it's not like if I don't get back to them right away, they're like, oh. yes. Um, but I try, you know, I try to, and that, that is, like you said, it's hard because I want to be accessible to people. And so I have to, um, you know, manage my, my time that way. Um, but I don't want, I would never want someone to not reach out to me because they're like, Oh, I already had my call with her this month, or, <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah. So I find that people really respect me and know that they can, reach out to me. Um, I think it really does help to have the daily uh, note leaving in the app because then I can kind of be up to speed like, oh, I know this person um, is having like this going on in her life or that. And then I can, if I need to, I can text and be like, hey, is everything okay? Like I had one athlete who I was pretty sure was like, she was feeling pretty lethargic this week. And so I asked her about her menstrual cycle and it turns out like based on my knowledge through like Stacey Sims and, um, you know, my own experience as a, a woman that she's yeah. probably in her luteal phase, which would make it a little harder for her 
And so I wrote her a text this morning and I sent her like a little chart that shows that, um, you know, relationship between where you are in your menstrual cycle and how, how you can expect to feel. And I was like, you know, if this is pretty regular for you, we can make, I give my athletes a step back week. I usually call it that where we just pull things back on the intensity and, or the mileage every couple, maybe it depends on the person. Sometimes my younger athletes can go a little longer. And some of my older athletes or athletes with more stressful work lives, like we need to, we need to make it shorter. But I told her, I was like, we can make this sync up with your menstrual cycle, like, and just have your step back weeks, you know, work with that. And so to empower, you know, this is, you're feeling this way for a reason, you know? Um, And so that kind of thing, like I try to just keep the communication open and I find the more we do that, the less like big calls we need to schedule, (laughs) you know? Right. And you're so good at, at like empowering them with, again, like touching on the art. I, I'm looking at it right now. I get a kick out of the unplanned rest day woman. Oh yeah. Choosing to rest as a superpower, which is, which is so true. Like instead of, you know, them telling you afterwards, like I felt terrible and the workout didn't go well. It's sort of like, you know, I skipped this one because it it was better to, to skip it. It wasn't avoiding training. It was making the rest as part of training. Right. And, um, and so I love that. I love that. Um, that's good. Yeah, that came from like my own experience. Last it was last Friday. I was like, yeah, we were worried my mom was gonna have to have emergency surgery, and she's not vaccinated yet, and she's seventy five, yeah. and it was just like this whole stressful, yeah, thing. And my low back was her. You know, I was like, why would I go run four miles today? Like, and so I thought you know what? And that's what I drew. I'm doing this like journal right now that I've been posting about that in my Instagram where I'm doing like a running journal that's really artsy and fun. And I drew her in my entry for that day. And then I turned it into an Instagram post because I was like, you know, this is just really important. And I had a great weekend of running. Like I was able to hit all my goals with my long run and my run on Sunday. And I just don't think that would have been possible if I had like forced myself to run on Friday, you know? Well, so many people you hear like, Oh, I had to run to like, kind of, it's been so stressful. I needed to just like Mm -hmm. get it out. And sometimes I'm like, you know what, just, I think maybe pausing, but no one can do that. Right. Not Mm -hmm. no one. It's so difficult to to maybe pause and go for a walk. Yeah. Like is, is right. going a hard run to quote unquote work it out actually. What's gonna help, serve you helpful? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think too as a coach, I mean this is how I feel anyway. I want, you know, you're human too. <laughs> and so to be able to say, like I'll tell my athletes that like I'm I'm in this with you. You know, I have a coach. I have you know, I walked into a door this past September and broke my toe in my own house. Like, you know, oops, <laughs> like I can't, I can't run for, I couldn't run for like probably five or six weeks with that one. And, you know, it's just like, we're all in it together. And ultimately I don't, I don't coach anyone who is just running, um, you know, to be fit or to burn calories or to even run PRs. Like it has so, as you really have known, learned that this year, um, you know, it's a, 
it is part of how we um, live our lives. And so to have a coach that's saying like, what's the best choice we can make for you for not only your short-term like performance goals, but also where do you want to be now, 10 years from now? I personally know that I want to be, I call it my granny goals. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) 20 years from now, my grandkids aren't going to care that if I eventually break three hours in the marathon, (laughs) they might think it's kind of cool, but not if I like can't walk or jump in the pool with them. So I'm always kind of trying to think about that for myself. Like, you know, how can I bring together both my longevity goals and like true happiness and and peace and joy in my life, which running truly brings to me like those mornings, like where I'm running with my running friend or I'm by myself and I'm just happy to be moving. And like, I want to go for it. I want to be like your daughter was in that race and like see that finish line and just like get the most out of myself, you know, and how to, bring those two things together really to just like live a full life, you know? So that's kind of, I guess where I, where my, where I would say the holistic part of it comes from is like, I'm coaching a whole person who wants to know that running can empower them into something and like fuels, fuels them with their like dreams on so many other levels. And so I can't, I can't just look at the data if I'm, if that's what I want to be doing, you know? Yeah, and I think the the irony in the, the pandemic, like without much racing, at least um, on the professional stage or collegiate, like there's a lot of people running really fast because they're actually not racing much. They're training a lot, and they're mm-hmm. you know they're. I think even on the recreational level, as a coach, it can be frustrating because you just see athletes just in this cycle of like training hard for this race and then repeat and then repeat, you know, and there's, it's not necessarily the healthiest approach Mm -hmm. long-term, right. And especially people who chase marathons, you know, over across the world and they're constantly doing those. Is is it for the long-term, like you said, is that the best way? um, Is that the best way to approach it, you know, for your and and long-term? So I agree with you. I think more people should think, more along those lines even if their objective is to run fast yeah i think like you still should also be considering long-term implications and it it doesn't have to be that you choose one or the other i totally agree i think i think it can all happen together i i have to believe that to be honest with you (laughs) my 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 fastest times that i've run i I absolutely do not think that I was in my healthiest space, both mentally or physically. And so like, Mm. I am kind of on a quest to discover that, like what's the fastest I can run knowing that I am not like the, I was under fueling and I had lost a considerable amount of weight. And so for me, it's kind of like, did I run that fast? Because I was, smaller you know and look honestly I know I got really lucky that I you know I did that almost in spite of of that um but at the same time like that 
I haven't proved myself wrong yet. And so I'm really looking forward to doing that. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be, um, we're going to be watching and and cheering you on, especially the, (laughs) you've got a race coming up next month and um, so best of luck and hang in there with, um, school and and work hopefully the the pandemic starts to recede more and more this year fingers crossed and yeah um but enjoy the the extra cozy time with family thank you you too thank you thanks jess thanks so much for sharing yeah absolutely i love talking to you all right take care thank you i've been over here